thanks for listening to this sermon from Cedar Springs Church. We know life is busy and it's easy to get caught up running in so many directions. At Cedar Springs, we see you and we're with you. We also understand the feeling inside of you for something deeper. In fact, we believe God created us for those deeper things and we want to help you discover them. We want to introduce you to a life lived deeply with God and with others. If you're not already, we invite you to visit us during one of our Sunday worship services. We are all working toward taking our next step to move into deeper faith and community. So come, take your next step with us. We don't want you to settle for life as normal because you were made to live deeply. Good morning. It's good to see you. If you're new with us, my name is James Forsyth. I'm the senior pastor here. And you've arrived into a a church family that is a a community of love, a kind, warm family. And we would love to welcome you into this place and help figure out how to make this place feel like home for you. At Church Family, you see the Gettys are coming. Um, An Irish Christmas? Landon Paul, Director of Worship. We're going to have to have a conversation about this, you know. What's wrong with a Scottish Christmas, bro? Okay. I don't know. I forget the day of the concert, but I'm sick that day. Right, but I, you know. <laughs> For this, uh, this fall, we've been enjoying our way together through the Sermon on the Mount. I mean, thinking about how we're loved by Jesus and how we're called to be led by him, how our lives can be different in light of his grace toward us. We've been in a section of the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus is telling us about some of those things he wants us to do in secret. Some of those things he wants us to do when when no one else is looking. Last week, we saw him call us to secret generosity. Pull back the curtain of our lives and you should find that, that Christians are really generous people. This week, we see him call us to something else. Matthew chapter six, gonna read verses five and six of this chapter together. Jesus says, when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. Friends, this is the gospel of Christ. Father, as we work our way through this text week by week, such beautiful things for our lives. And yet this week, Lord, we come, we come to one that could scarcely be more important. A section of, of your word that if we, will, if we will wrestle with, if we will heed your kind invitation, will, will change our lives immeasurably for the better. So would you come be our teacher in these moments, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Last week, thinking about secrets, we spoke about postsecret.com, that largest advertisement-free website in the world. It's a community art project where week by week, people anonymously mail in secrets, and a selection of these secrets are posted online for the community to see. And it's a surprising thing to see how many of the secrets have something to do with prayer. Some of them are sad. I didn't pray on the way to the hospital. I wonder if it would have mattered. Some, of course, are silly. Dear God, I want to be just like my dad when I get old, but not with so much hair all over. Yeah. 
Some are shocking, like this last one. He said he wanted a divorce. I prayed to not be divorced. He was diagnosed with cancer. He died. I'm not divorced. I'm a widow. Be careful what you pray for. Of course, we've said that generally in the Christian life, secrets are to be avoided. Why? Because the gospel life is a life of freedom. The gospel frees us to to live our lives with transparency, with honesty, even with a degree of vulnerability, because we no longer need to pretend to be anything other than the beautiful mess that we in fact are. We get to live our lives without pretending. And yet Jesus has said, sometimes secrets have their place. Look at verse one of chapter six that sets up the the context for the verses we just read. Jesus says, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your father who is in heaven. So we are never told to try and keep our failures hidden. We're never told to take our our failings or our guilt and our shame and and stuff them down inside and and hope that nobody else sees. No, we we have freedom from that kind of life. But here Jesus tells us that there are some acts of righteousness that we are to keep hidden. What's the secrecy? What's all this about? Well, let's follow the same outline as last week and see two things. First, what Jesus wants us to do. And second, why he wants us to do it what we're to do and why we're to do it. Let's start with the first of these. What we're to do, Jesus answers in these verses, pray in secret. Pull back the curtain of your life. Pull back the curtain of my life. See what I'm really like. See what you're really like. See how we spend our time. See what we do when nobody else is looking. And you should find that not only are we a radically generous people, but we are also a prayerful people. We are a people who pray in secret. First, Jesus tells us to pray. See how he assumes that we will? Start of verse five, look at the start of verse six, even look at the start of verse seven, what's repeated there again and again and again, three times, when you pray. Not if you pray, but when you pray. Jesus assumes that Christians will pray. It's normal to eat and breathe and sleep. And it's normal for the believer to pray. Now, why does Jesus make this assumption? Why does Jesus assume that Christians will pray? We pause to answer because of the gospel, (laughs) because of the, the gospel of Jesus Christ Jesus assumes that we will be a people who pray. Now, this is in a sense obvious, but also important to underline. Why? Because prayer isn't unique to Christianity. Prayer exists in all of the world's religions. Take the world's major religions, Christianity, Judaism, Islam. There are forms of prayer within these religions. Take even the Eastern religions of Buddhism and Hinduism. There are aspects of prayer in those as well. Not only is prayer common to religion, but prayer is also a a common thing in our culture. Interesting study from Ligonier Ministries and the NBC network, which was interesting bedfellows there, found that 76% of Americans believe that prayer has the power to heal. 66% of Americans, two thirds, believe that God continues to answer specific prayers. 
Now, the result of this ubiquity, the, the result of the fact that prayer is everywhere, that it's common to religion and it's common to our culture as well, is that we can sometimes take prayer for granted. In religion, we assume that God hears and listens to our prayers because that's just what, what religious people assume God does. In the culture, we assume God hears and, and listens to prayer because we just assume that's the kind of, kind of thing God does. But the Bible actually teaches a different reality. The Bible would tell us that God hears all prayer, but he doesn't listen to all prayer in the same way. Let me say that again. God hears all prayer in the sense that nothing escapes his, his notice, nothing escapes his attention, but he doesn't listen to all prayers in the same way. Several years ago now, I was sitting at a, a play park in my hometown of Edinburgh, watching my kids as they had a blast on just the, like the coolest playground imaginable. Carousels and teeter-totters and swings and a jungle gym and monkey bars and all sorts of good stuff. And there were hundreds of children running everywhere. This place was noise bedlam. There was whooping, there was hollering, there was crying, there was laughing. There was a kid walking by with one shoe on. I knew he was about to get in trouble. Um, there was kind of the full display of human dignity and depravity painted before our eyes in this loud, loud playground. Now sitting at the side on a bench, suddenly I hear a wee girl cry. Not any wee girl, my wee girl, amidst the voice, amidst the noise, I hear her voice. I run over and there she is hanging on the monkey bars. You know, at that age where their hands barely go above their head, okay? Um, terrified, her losing strength, she's terrified she's about to fall to her death, which was a fall of about this far, okay? So I scoop her up and I squeeze her and I, how is it on the noise of that playground that I was able to hear the voice of one cry. Well, parents, we know this, don't we? We know that, that, that our ears are attuned to hear the cry of the one who's precious to us. The cry of the one who is, who is our own. And so it is in the gospel. So it is in the gospel that God hears all prayer, but he uniquely listens to the voice of those who are precious to him, to the voice of those who have become his own. And this is why the gospel is so central to our understanding of prayer. How do you know if God just hears your prayers or if he actively listens to them? The answer is the gospel. Hebrews 10, 19, we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus. Before the blood of Jesus, we had no confidence to enter God's presence. We didn't have the ability to come and stand before a holy God. But now, found in Christ, we can enjoy that kind of intimacy with the Father. We are able to enter his presence and have an audience with the Lord. And because we are able to, Jesus assumes that we'll make the most of it. He assumes that, that, that we'll say yes to this invitation. Now, a couple of quick implications of this assumption. First of all, kind of a heavy impl implication for you if you wouldn't describe yourself as a Christian today. You need to understand that Christian prayer is distinctively Christian. 
that um, you, you can, pray. of course you can pray, but you shouldn't assume that God will listen to your prayer in the same way that he would if you were a believer in Jesus Christ. This is a hard truth, but we need to understand that rejecting Jesus, not receiving Jesus as your savior has really serious implications for your life, both for eternity, but also here in time today. That the most important prayer you should pray is that prayer of faith, where you become a Christian, where you acknowledge the sin and mess and brokenness of your life like we all need to acknowledge in, in, our, in our own lives, and where you ask for his forgiveness because he will give it full and free. You can be a Christian today and then his ear will be attuned to you as one of his precious own. And he'll lay you here and he'll listen when you call. Second implication for those of us who would describe themselves as Christians, um, just receive Jesus' assumption, his assumption that we will pray as evidence of his kind and his happy heart toward us. Yes, of course, we should be a people that that pray. Prayer isn't the reserve like generosity. It's not the reserve of some hardcore Christians. It's an assumed part of the Christian life. And when we don't pray, and can we, can we be honest and say we, we don't? You know, if, if you want to make Christians feel guilty, just bring up generosity, prayer, or evangelism. It's like the unholy trinity of Christian guilt, right? Just sit here and feel bad about ourselves because none of us are doing all those things we know that we should be doing, okay? Um, let's have a little space, allow a little air in the room to say none of our prayer lives are what we would wish them to be. <laughs> but when that happens, that's evidence, not of the Father's heart drifting from us, but of our hearts drifting from him. Jesus assumes we'll enjoy this kind of intimacy with him. We should enjoy this kind of intimacy with him. Uh, Rosie, my wife, um, started in the um, Knoxville Fire Department this week. Uh, she was a firefighter up in Virginia, and after we moved, she took a year to get settled, and now she's dived back into the, the fire department here. And how would you feel if after the service, you come and you say to me, oh, how's Rosie getting on in the department? And I say, I don't know. And you say, oh, and did you, did you not see her this week? And I said, no, I saw her. We just didn't talk. You say, what, what do you mean you didn't talk? And I say, well... Talking, like, I know some couples are kind of into that, you know, that's like a thing for some couples, but that's just not really, that's not really a thing we're into. That's not really one of the things we do. What, what are, you're going to think that's weird. Why? Because it would be. Why would it be? Because in an intimate relationship, there should be communication. And that's what Jesus is, is assuming. That's what Jesus is inviting us into. That while our hearts may wander from him, his heart never wanders from us. And so he is always ready to hear whatever we have to say in his presence. He's always ready for, to, to receive us as we come to God in his name. Jesus assumes that we'll pray. But not only that, look, he assumes still verse 5, that we'll pray and that we'll pray in secret. Do not be like the hypocrites, Jesus says. Again, Jesus has a hard time with hypocrites. They love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. So 
no trumpets this week, just a bunch of loudmouths who love to position themselves in the most prominent place and pray in a loud voice so that everybody hears just how holy they are. They're turned prayer into a kind of spectator sport. And Jesus says, these people are hypocrites. They're only praying to impress other people, to make everyone else think, wow, aren't they so holy? So when other people are impressed and think, wow, they're so holy, they've already received the thing that they were looking for. They've already received their reward in full. Don't be like those people, Jesus says. Instead, verse six, when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father. What, what does it mean to live this Christian life? What, what does the Christian life look like? What a practical example Jesus has just given us. When you pray, go into your room, go to your room, shut the door, close the door, and pray to your father. Don't make a big song and dance about your prayer life. Just go to your room and close the door and pray to the Lord. Now, Jesus, who's whose teaching is always brilliant, but don't you just love the brilliance of this practical counsel he's given us? First of all, on the spiritual level, like how do we make sure that our prayers aren't hypocritical? How do we make sure that our prayers aren't just being done to impress other people so that they all think we're holy? Well, we make sure that we don't do our praying in front of everybody. We just go off quietly and and hide ourselves in our room. How do you make sure you're not a hypocrite? Don't practice this act of righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. Go to your door, close your room. Don't you also love though, just how like practically helpful this advice is? Prayer is one of those things that's just like, distraction is the great killer of prayer. Sometimes these distractions are internal. You know, the internal distractions are bad enough. You start to pray and then you start to think of what needs to happen that day. You start to pray and then you start to think about, you know, the score in the game or you start to pray and then you start to think of something other than the thing you were trying to pray about. And if internal distractions are hard, external distractions are deadly. Try and pray when you've got kids running around and you have to yell at the dog. It just, it's a killer to our, to our prayer life. And so Jesus says, free yourself from distractions by going to your room, closing the door and and praying. It couldn't be more practical. Personally, I found that the time to do this is at the very start of the day. I don't know about you, but once my day gets going, it tends to get gone from me. (laughs) To start the day, closing the door and taking time to pray. Spiritual discipline of praying in secret. That's what Jesus wants us to do. Okay, second thing, why? Why does Jesus want us to pray in secret? Well, he answers in verse six, your father who sees in secret will reward you. Same phrase we saw last week, same phrase we'll see next week. Getting at this idea that we don't have to imagine um, if God were to pull back the curtain of our life and know what we're really like. God knows what we're really like, and he loves to see us as we are, and he loves to catch us doing right. He loves to catch his kids living the way that he's called them to live. And when he does, he promises here to reward us. God loves to give grace upon grace. He loves, as we love giving good gifts to our kids, he loves giving good gifts to us, his kids. So how, the question becomes, 
does God reward secret prayer? How does God reward secret prayer? Three quick biblical answers this morning. First of all, God rewards secret prayer by changing our circumstances. By changing our circumstances. You know, if you pray, if you close the door and pray to your father in secret, things happen that wouldn't have happened had you not prayed. I say that again. When you pray, things happen that wouldn't have happened had you not prayed. Now, it's so easy for us, isn't it, to kind of get cynical? Well, you know, maybe these things would have happened anyway. Maybe it was a coincidence. And we say, yeah, but it's amazing how many coincidences start happening when you start to pray. Um, Sometimes it isn't a cynicism. Sometimes we get kind of like our theological, we we become too theological for our own good. We start thinking about sovereignty and providence and thinking, well, you know, God's will is going to happen on earth, irrespective of what I do or irrespective of what I pray. And we say, no, that, that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches, in fact, that God is so sovereign that he would lead you to pray and then use your prayer as the means through which he brings about his will here on earth. When we pray, things happen that wouldn't have happened otherwise. James 5, verse 17 through 18. Elijah was a human like us. Elijah, remember him? James says, he was just a dude like me and and you. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain and it did not rain in the land for three and a half years. Then he prayed again and heaven gave rain and the earth produced crops. Elijah was a normal person. Yet when he prayed that it wouldn't rain, it didn't rain. And then when he prayed that it would rain again, it did. Why? Because God answers prayer. And he uses prayer to change our circumstances. Friends, believe this. When you pray, cancers shrink. And when you pray, marriages are saved. And when you pray, jobs are found. And children come to faith and your finances come together and peace comes to your mind and wisdom is gained and strength is provided and courage is found. And you know the people who have the most stories of answered prayer are those people who pray. And so let's pray. Pray about what's going on in your own life. What is the struggle? What is the disappointment? What is the grief? What is the despair? Jesus would say, bring that to me. Let's talk about it together in prayer. And not just for your own life, but pray for for his kingdom as well. This week, we got word from one of our partners in China, We'll call her Mary. She's actually been with us here at one of our missions conferences. She's the leader of a network of some 1,800 house churches that meet in about 20 different cities all across China. Well, we heard this week that she's been forced into hiding. She's currently holed up in a safe house after a security breach in her organization gave the state a copy of her organization's ministry plan. And if she's found, she will be put in prison with very little recourse and and very little opportunities from there. And so let's pray. Let's pray for Mary and let's pray for her circumstances. Let's pray for her welfare and also for the sake of God's kingdom around the world. And let's just see if God doesn't change these circumstances. Let's just see if if things happen that wouldn't have happened had we not Friends, in many ways, this first point is the point of faith. If we really believed 
prayer changes things as the Bible says it does, I think all of us would pray a lot more than we do. Pray that the Lord would give us faith to believe. Second, God rewards secret prayer by changing our circumstances. (laughs) Secondly, though, God also rewards secret prayer by changing us. You know, very often he answers our prayers exactly as we prayed them, but, but sometimes he doesn't. Why? Because this isn't like a, we don't believe health, wealth, name it and claim it, genie in a bottle, God, where whatever you say will just poof happen and you got three wishes. You know, sometimes God says no to our prayer requests. Do you remember the disciples? Remember James and John when they asked that they could sit at the left and the right hand of Jesus in heaven? And Jesus is like, no, right? Or like a couple chapters later when they're like, hey, do you want to, we call down fire from heaven and destroy this city? And Jesus looks at them both and he's like, no, right? Jesus doesn't say, what is wrong with you? But when we read that text, we say, what is wrong with you? And here's the thing. If the disciples were capable of asking for inappropriate and even stupid things, I think I'm capable of it as well. Sometimes good parents say no to their kids. You know, sometimes a loving parent says no to more ice cream. Now listen, spend as much time of your life saying yes to ice cream as possible, okay? Why not? But after a pint, a wise parent knows to say no. So sometimes God answers our prayers exactly as we prayed them. And then sometimes God answers our prayers exactly as we would have prayed them if we knew everything he knew. And so sometimes he's kind toward us and doesn't answer our prayers. Of course, friends, sometimes we get the joy of seeing why God said no. That does happen in our lives. We pray for something, it doesn't happen. Circumstances change and work out and and we, we get to see why he didn't answer our prayer the way we prayed it. Sometimes though, there are deeper waters where we don't know. Where you pray for something that can only seem good where you pray for something that can only seem right and the Lord says not yet, or maybe the Lord has said, has said no. And we we're never sure why he's done that. About 40 years ago in my own family, um, my aunt, my mom's sister, had just finished up her freshman year at college and she went on a backpacking tour in India. So she and a friend were there and they went to all these different sites. And then one morning they were in Kashmir, a region between India and Pakistan, now a very turbulent part part of the world. But uh, some 40 years ago they were there and they decided to separate for the day to do slightly different hikes. And so my aunt got up and we know that she walked to a, a nearby market and bought six apples from 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 that market. We know also that she was planning on returning to her hotel because her, her journal had been found there laying out her plan for the day. But after being at this market, she went off on this, on this hike and was never seen again. Never seen again. My mum's sister. Enormous search was conducted in the area by local law enforcement and by an international group of first responders as well. Never found a body, never found evidence of foul play, never found evidence of of an accident. She just simply disappeared. You can imagine how my family responded. 
over the years, must have been 30 plus trips to that part of the world to, to see to see how there was anything that they could do. And you could also imagine how, how my family prayed. Prayed that the Lord would bring her back safe and well. Prayed that we would find some solutions, some answers to this to this situation as it as it unfolded. And in the four decades since, we still don't know what happened to her. And we say, what's that about? What's that? What's that about, Lord? Surely that's a good thing to be praying for. Surely it's a good thing to ask. And we just have to humble ourselves before the God of the universe and recognize that sometimes he uses prayer to change our circumstances, but sometimes he just uses prayer to change us. The prayers of my family about the situation have brought them into a deeper dependence upon the Lord. It's ushered them into a greater trust in him. It's formed perspective and character and integrity and and patience in their lives, qualities that they would not have had they had not prayed. And so we recognize, well, sometimes God's at work to change our circumstance, but sometimes he's just changing us. A quick PS to that story. Um, my aunt went missing on August 17th, 1981. And 20 years to the day was the day that my first daughter was born. And when my grandmother came to meet her, she said, uh, the Lord's given us another wee girl. Right? 20 years of prayer in her meant that she was praising Lord, the Lord on this day, not filled with bitterness and anger and enmity. Sometimes prayers changes things, but sometimes it just changes us. Yeah. Okay, moving on. Point three, sometimes God rewards prayer by changing circumstances, sometimes by changing us very quickly. God also rewards secret prayer by changing our relationship with him. Friends, the best thing about prayer is not what it gives you, it's who it gives you. That's the best thing about prayer. If prayer prayer changed nothing, it would be worth everything because it is the gateway to first-hand knowledge of God. It is the place where we get to know God ourselves. It is the place where we get to form a relationship of of intimacy with God with him, mediated by no one but Jesus, his son. The place where we don't just learn about God in our brains, but actually start to experience him in our lives. I've spoken to you before about the the danger in American evangelicalism of what we could call vicarious Christianity. This idea that you live your Christian life, but only through other people. So you can tell me everything Tim Keller and John Piper have said about prayer, but you don't pray. And so you can tell me lots of things about God, but you don't actually know him for yourself. And prayer is the antidote. Prayer is the remedy. Prayer is the place where we don't just know about him. We get to know him personally ourselves. It is the thing that gives us deeper intimacy with our father. And of all the things, that is the greatest reward. That itself is the greatest reward. So let's try praying. 
In my hometown, there's a ministry who pasted this phrase uh, across buses and other local transportation. Try praying. And then they invited people, whatever their spiritual background, um, with this question. Why don't you try praying for a week and see what happens in your life? Whatever the big issues are, whatever your doubts or, or cynicism may be, why don't we just try praying for a week and see what happens in your life? Why don't we try following what Jesus called us to and just see if he doesn't reward our secret prayer by changing our circumstances, changing us, and bringing us into a deeper relationship with himself. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time together, these moments to share in your word, and we thank you for the invitation to, to pray that we can pray because of the gospel. We can come into your presence because we pray in, in Jesus' name. Not an empty phrase, but a recognition that the only way we can approach you is, is through his work on our behalf. And so, Lord, would you make us a praying people? Um, we want to be, and yet we struggle to be. So help us. And would we close the door and pray to our Father who sees in secret and find that you do reward secret prayer by changing our circumstances, changing us, and giving us more of yourself. We pray these things in his name. Amen.